you know, we all have FOMO in our lives in different ways. So playing into that, you know, the outsiders of like, man, I'm going to miss this maybe cool new product, especially brands that have great loyalty. It'd be really fun to try a new Coca-Cola product. I'm always curious what such a big company is innovating and, and doing. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We have seen the subscription and membership space not just evolve, but explode. By that, we're seeing more categories of brands think about how they can use memberships and subscriptions to their advantage. Needless to say, there are a lot of different ways to do this, so we wanted to get an expert on the line with us to dig into some of the nuances. Enter Paul Chambers, CEO and co-founder of the Subscription Trade Association and SubSummit, an event focused on, you guessed it, subscriptions and memberships. And Paul provides such a great perspective because he is really dedicated to understanding what's moving the market and which brands are doing great things in this space. I know we've been covering it a lot more on Retail Touchpoints, so it was great to catch up with Paul and learn a little bit more about how brands are embracing some methods from media companies and other categories to truly create great experiences for their customers. Paul, it's so great to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Alicia, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I know we've spoken in the past, but I'm excited to have you on live, so to speak, to talk about some of the work that you're doing. So first, let's start with the basics. Why don't you tell us about Subta and what ultimately led to the creation of SubSummit? Yeah, so it's a funny story because a little bit, we went a little backwards. SubSummit was first and then came Subta. Oh, perfect. And <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough. So it started off uh, 2016. We were running a subscription box business ourselves, myself and my two business partners. And we were looking for a conference to attend where we'd meet other subscription owners, you know, those in the space of subscription. And we couldn't find it, didn't exist. And so we said, you know, we need to find a way to bring these awesome people together because we'd met so many in different areas. And we created what the time was called the Subscription Summit, because that's the domain name I could buy. And uh, we launched it, had 200 of our closest friends in the room, and it was awesome. You know, Michael Brookham from FabFitFun and Katya Beecham from Birchbox. And we wanted to find a way to continue that community, to continue that excitement, bringing people together. And that's when we launched Subta as the Subscription Trade Association after that first event, because we wanted to just keep the conversation rolling. And we, we've been so fortunate to be able to build that community in the kind of the online space, as well as the, the in real life version of it at SubSummit along the way. Took a little bit of break during COVID, but really continued that adventure post COVID here and, and continue to grow today. I love that. And it makes so much sense that you started with building the community first. I mean, I think now that you tell the story, I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense because that, that really is the core of like what makes I think the world of e-commerce and more specifically subscription commerce. So interesting. It's like how everybody's kind of learning from each other and acquiring these best practices, especially from some of those great brands that you just name drop in your response. And obviously subscriptions are a big topic for us at Retail Touchpoints. It is how you and I first met 
I was working on a piece about the very topic. And it's been interesting to hear about how it's coming into broader commerce conversations, community building conversations, customer loyalty conversations. So obviously there are adjacencies and connecting points to bigger topics. But I'm wondering, like, what nuances exist in this world of subscription commerce that warrant giving it its own event, its own community? I mean, I'm sure, again, there is some nice crossover for our listeners. But, you know, what about this world of subscriptions makes it so fascinating for you or or even so, so granular and needing of deeper dive best practices and education? You know, it's funny. I think there's a lot more that you subscribe to that we subscribe to in our lives than, than people really realize. And take a step back for a second. SubSummit is the largest gathering of subscription, membership, and recurring revenue companies in the world. There's really no one else of in that consumer subscription space and membership is the size and scale of what we've been able to grow to this year will be over 2,000 attendees at our event. And one of the things that you had said leading up to this question was, you know, how there's so many different ways these different types of companies can learn from each other. And a story I tell quite often is how at one of our events, we had an underwear subscription share something with a streaming service provider that had a six-figure impact on the, the bottom line of that streaming service provider. And you look at those two things, you're like, what? An underwear subscription and a streaming provider? How does it make sense? But, you know, it's those little nuances that you learn about retention or different ways to engage people in your platform. What does your offering look like? And when you really pull together, not just what we think of as traditional subscription, which may be like a, a FabFitFun, or I know you had Jenny Fleissan recently from Rent the Runway, those kind of things in our lives we think of as traditional subscription. You look at membership, your Delta Sky Miles is a great membership program that you're part of, even though it's free, is a great way of how a brand engages its customers. Starbucks rewards a massive membership program, which I'll remind you, like I even forgot about until recently, was once a paid program. You used to pay annually for your Starbucks rewards membership, and now is a free program you can get. So there really is so much conversation to be had out there with the goal at the end of the day of bringing these brands together to find ways to strengthen the relationship between their customer and their brand. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of brought up the the opportunities for learning from different categories or even different industries, right? Because I know for a while there, the hook for brands and retailers was like how they can learn from media companies like Netflix, right? That are really nailing this idea of personalization and community, branded content. And now we're seeing it kind of go both ways and subscriptions and memberships are evolving to be similar to each other, but also distinct enough to be valuable for the customer. So I'm curious, like just at a high level, like Subta does a lot of research on this space. So what are you seeing in way of interest, activity? Like, are you seeing a pretty big boost in terms of the number of brands that are implementing subscriptions and memberships? Like, what's really happening at a high level here? Yeah, we're seeing some really good growth. And not just in like what you you mentioned there, the traditional ways of looking at it, looking at different ways, understanding the customer base, and then layering in parts of the program that really match the needs of that customer base. I had a great talk with Walmart Plus on a webinar we did pretty recently where they talked a lot about how they are leveraging the different aspects of their membership 
of what they're offering the consumers, looking for areas of opportunity of what their consumers might want, what they might need, and bringing those things to the table, part of the conversation. So for example, they layered in their Paramount Plus subscription into there. They saw like a lot of their consumers are a good target, demo, fit that target demographic for Paramount Plus and their members, layered that in and provide additional value. The other thing they do that's really cool at the end of the year, they'll recap for their members how much they had in savings because of their Walmart Plus membership for the year and show them those savings. So then you look at that so membership that you have, you're like, this is an absolute no-brainer for what I'm doing here. I, why would I ever cancel this? I often remark, I couldn't tell you when my Amazon Prime membership renews because I see so much value out of it. And now as I'm ramping up a Walmart Plus membership, I'm probably going to see the same thing. I don't care how much you're charging me. I don't care when it renews. All I know is I really enjoy it, and I'm going to keep that in my life until that point stops. Another great example is Panera Bread when they first launched their coffee subscription, you could go every day, every four hours, let's, is what it actually breaks down to. You go unlimited coffee for $11.99 a month. And now I think it's a couple bucks more than that now. But they launched with that. Then they started layering in, okay, we're going to add in soft drinks to that. We're going to add in our teas to that. You were going to add in free delivery now because they see people are coming there more often Panera. I fell victim to it, not victim in a bad way, victim in a good way where I would go for the coffee and I'd be getting food. And so now we're going to layer in free delivery because they see you frequenting there more. We're going to layer in Amazon's Palm payment. So they're doing so much more to, to add value to their members. And this is what we're seeing, right? So to, to come to the answer to your question, top three reasons why people subscribe to a membership program has extra perks they want access to. It helps them save money on orders or it was free. Now, the first two, you know, we talked about with Walmart Plus is doing in there and what Panera is, they're adding those extra perks that they may want access to, and then they're saving them money on what they're doing. The free part is interesting too, because now you're seeing a way, you're getting people in the door and you're finding other ways to engage with your brand. And so, you know, you just hit, when you look at what you might want to offer in a membership or subscription program, you really have to keep your customers at the center of that. Yeah, I think that's a really strong point. And I'm sure we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of the strategic considerations, tactical best practices. But as you kind of broke down the value drivers for consumers, for the members, you know, the people that are opting into these services, I'm curious how that ladders up to the objectives or even the challenges that brands and retailers are trying to accomplish with these? Like, is there a point where like these two areas kind of meet in the middle? Like what are, what are the big picture factors or issues that are driving the evolution of this space? Is it like the need for the best deal? Is it, you know, wavering customer loyalty? Like what are you seeing really rise to the surface here? Yeah, I think, you know, people are seeing when we look at our data that asks like what would push people to subscribe to a membership or subscription program in the next 12 months. It's one of our our little sneak preview on one of our annual reports questions there. People are looking that it's it's cost effective. It gives them the exclusive access to a product or service they want, and it, it helps fulfill a need in their lives. And when we look at a lot of the brands out there that are, are moving to, you know, that have either retail or in the CPG spaces, it's interesting. We've talked to a lot of brands recently that started off with subscription and then moved into retail or moved into CPG. So to give an example, uh, there's a great brand called Skin Tea. Basima Moreau is actually speaking at, at Sub Summit coming up here end of May on, on their journey. And they launched as a direct-to-consumer brand and had built a subscribe and save component into what they were doing. And what she had shared with us is those original subscribers, those 
uh, original customers that they had, those are her most loyal customers. In addition to those that provide some of the best feedback about their current product and future products that they're looking to roll out. So as they're moving into retail, they're looking at saying, we should really leverage these insights from these customers and help us have an even better impact in our retail presence as we're doing that. The same thing with when I chat with Kara Golden at Hint Water, the exact same story. Launched in their D2C space, and then as they moved into retail, were able to take all the, the great feedback and allow for faster success on that side. I love that. So very clear value driver, I think, for the brands that are looking for growth opportunity, looking to activate their communities, get that insight that they need to grow or evolve their business. So is this a case where, you know, subscriptions, membership programs, like if you put the thought into it, like it makes sense for any brand and every brand? Or are there any like qualifying questions that executives need to ask to make sure like, yes, this does make sense for us. And now we need to build it out. Yeah, it's funny. My partner in Subsummit, Chris George, often says, you know, I got to have that quote unquote, no brainer approach on it. And, you know, is it is subscription or membership an absolute no brainer for most companies that say yes. However, the asterisk I would put on that is it needs to be done right. It's not just to turn it on. It's not just to set it and forget it. You really have to build out a program with the customer in mind and making sure that if you do a subscribe and save, not only does it have to be priced appropriately, doesn't make sense, but then also, is it happening at the right frequency? During COVID, my kids finally convinced me to get a dog in our household. And so, of course, we subscribed to the Chewy food service. And I heard actually the CEO of Chewy recently speak at an event where he said 73% of their business is a subscription program they refer to as auto ship. 73% of Chewy's business is auto ship. And when we first joined, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just order as I see it coming in low. But my wife convinced me, just let it come in. The first time we got a bag way too early. The second time was way too late. And now over the course of time, it's learned the adjustments and it arrives perfectly on schedule. As that bag of food is starting to run low, my wife says, hey, can you check and make sure Chewy's coming? Lo and behold, it's coming the very next day. And now I don't even worry about it. I know it's going to show up as the dog food starts to get low. So what they've done there is they really applied some good AI or personalization to it that is making it so it's frictionless for me. And we talk about that a lot. It's, a subscription or membership program needs to provide tremendous value and just be frictionless in the life of the consumer. And that's where it, it really, it's a great strategic advantage to, to a lot of companies out there to have that loyalty from their customers. Yeah, I think that cadence point is really important, or at least giving consumers the power to customize that frequency if you don't have the AI on the back end to kind of support that intelligent learning over time, which is a great example. But as you were responding, and of course, our mentions of community, using consumer insights, all of these connected points, it kind of got me wondering, who should really own subscriptions and membership programs within the organization? Like, should it be its own distinct area of the business? Is it e-commerce? Like, who should be guiding the strategy? And I guess the follow-up question is, like, who should be involved in the planning and the execution of these initiatives? Because there is so much crossover, I feel like. Right. And so I think it depends on the size of the organization, obviously, and the resources available. There definitely should be somebody that's I would say among everything, owning the experience and owning what does that offering look like? How are we consistently improving the experience and monitoring that? 
But now outside of that, you know, obviously you want to have members from, you know, the marketing team involved in, in operations and finance, you know, as you look at how does a membership work into the different aspects of the business, it all really truly varies by the type of the business that's running it. So to give an example, you know, coming back to Skin Tea and what they're doing, you for sure need whoever's in charge of the product there as you're starting to forecast on what's, how many subscribers you have, what products are we testing? Are we going to be looking at subscribers save only for certain segments of it? What type of deals are we putting together? You know, how's it going to impact marketing on that side? I do think having an owner overall from the whole subscription experience would be important to any organization and provide value in any organization. Got it. So as we're thinking of strategy and some pointers, I guess we could pose or present to our listeners right now. Obviously, just based on all of the examples that you've shared, you know, there are a lot of ways to kind of design these programs in terms of perks, structure, supporting services, community services. So how can brands effectively design their programs to truly connect to goals and specific outcomes? Like, where should they start? What questions should they be asking? I mean, I guess it all starts with the goal, right? Or how can we break this down a little bit for our our listeners? Yeah, I think it, it starts to look at the needs of the customers and look at where the opportunities are to connect with them further. You know, one of the companies that really led the revolution of the subscription box was Birchbox. And over the course of time, And they exploded right from the beginning because nothing like that had ever been done before. And getting all these samples and these beauty samples and you had to try before you buy. And prior to that, you used to have to go to the store and you'd buy a full-size product. And if you didn't like it, it was such a waste. And these products aren't cheap, I know. I've got two daughters. And so um, what we saw over time was Birchbox didn't evolve from their model and didn't layer in additional components to their offering. And I think that's where they struggled and and missed their opportunity to really scale and continue to be out there today as a, a leader in the space. Along came some other ones, so like Ipsy and FabFitFun from a different approach that really added more value there. And where they, they started to layer that in was just by starting with the basics, looking at the customers, looking at where those needs are and building from there. And I think that's the root of everything there. If you want to build an effective program, just understand how the goals of the organization can come alongside the needs of the customers, and you've got a winning combination. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then I assume once you establish the needs of the customer and, and kind of what they're expecting from your brand, the products you offer, you build that out, and then the KPIs go from there? Or are there like key KPIs, so to speak, when measuring the impact of of subscription programs or measurement programs. Yeah. So there's a couple of KPIs that we often reference in the industry references quite frequently. Obviously, your customer acquisition cost, you want to look at your customer lifetime value, and in subscription in particular, what your churn rate is. But the other thing that I think we don't talk about enough and really need to focus on as an industry as well as the resubscribe rate. What often happens is, and I do this in my life myself, you'll subscribe to something, maybe have too much of it for a certain amount of time or things change in life and you're going to take a break from it. And the mentality in the past has always been, gosh, if we lose that customer, they're gone forever. We need to do everything we can to not lose them. We need to make it hard to cancel. We need to make it so that we're going to put a bunch of barriers up so that they can't get out or just lock them into a 12-month agreement. Totally the wrong attitude to have because what we find 
is if you give customers flexibility and ease in managing their subscription experience or their membership experience or their loyalty experience, they're more than likely to come back at a later time. HelloFresh is one we use in our house, HelloFresh or Blue Apron, we interchange with them from time to time. And what happens to us and our family is sports season starts. Our kids are going in every different direction. And so you know, it becomes difficult for us to use a HelloFresh meal maybe during those timeframes for a couple months there. So we'll cancel it. And then we come back to it at a later time. And the reason we come back to it is because we really enjoyed that experience and we want to come back to it. Now we're seeing this a lot more with streaming providers. Let's say there's a show on Netflix I really love, I got into, and I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have Disney Plus, I have HBO. I don't need all those all at once. I'm going to slow down Netflix for a moment in time and come back to it when I see a new show or hear about a new show I want to watch. And so giving consumers that flexibility and maybe staying top of mind in different ways or layering an additional offering. Hey, say on this ad-supported platform, if you want to lower your cost or, you know, we've got a free tier you can jump onto for a little bit or, hey, stay for, just pause for this month and we'll be there. So looking at all those different metrics of, in there can really drive the success of the program from a KPI standpoint. Yeah, I, th- I think your point around the show schedule, so to speak, I, I know like in my house, like if, we have certain shows like when they're in peak season time, right? Like we'll, we'll probably do the higher tier version to not get any ads. And we want to be able to like binge all of that content really quickly, right? But when it's off season, maybe we scale back. I mean, I'm sure I could probably extract a little learning or, or something for uh, retailers, especially if they sell seasonal products. But how can brands use this data effectively? Like we kind of, I think, have alluded to hints of this a little bit, especially in terms of improving the program itself or adding new features. But like, what about improving marketing or even product development? Like, I know I'm a member of Oats Overnight and they have like this really fun, like with each shipment you get a flavor in progress, right? And you get to try it, you scan a QR code, you share your feedback, and they use that feedback to improve the product development process. So can you share any other examples or best practices that you've seen, you know, across not just retail or or CPG, but even beyond that, like how they're using data effectively? Yeah, I mean, Coca-Cola did this for a while. They had a a Coca-Cola program where, and it was extremely limited. And I I haven't seen it in a minute if they're still running or not. I heard they paused it for a moment, so I don't know if they brought it back to life. But what was cool about it is they did exactly that same thing where they tested new products out there and allowed feedback from the consumers. Great way to get some immediate instant feedback from some of your most loyal fan base that are going to be overly honest with you. The same thing as what you're experiencing there with Oats Overnight. Hey, here's because you're so awesome, because you're so special in this program, here's something new nobody else gets to try. And what do we, you know, we all have FOMO in our lives in different ways. So playing into that, you know, the outsiders of like, man, I'm going to miss this maybe cool new product, especially brands that have great loyalty. It'd be really fun to try a new Coca-Cola product. I'm always curious what such a big company is innovating and, and doing. And they also did other things. They did collectibles and memorabilia and different things within there. So I think definitely using that base as a way to use that relationship that you have with those consumers to get some of that fast feedback, to get some immediate opportunity to learn and to grow your organization, to grow your product before maybe you put something on the store shelves and have to test it at retail because that's expensive. That's super expensive. So that's a fast way to do it. And exactly going back to what Skinty had shared, you know, the exact same thing of 
of here's what's happening. Hint Water for a while was doing like suntan lotion, or sorry, um, yeah, suntan lotion. And I don't know why they were doing it. It's another product line they expanded, but they phased it out after a while. And I think part of that was just because they didn't see from their direct-to-consumer base like it was working really well. So maybe they didn't have to spend a ton of money pushing that into retail before they tested it out over there as well. So just great testing grounds as well. Awesome. Some really great examples. And I feel like we've hinted at quite a few brands that are doing subscriptions right right now. But are there any other key learnings or takeaways that you can share from some of your colleagues, sub-summit speakers, anybody that you think, you know, has like a key learning or nugget of wisdom that you think our listeners would get value from? Yeah, I'll tell you one that I love talking about a lot because I refer to them as the most polite subscription in the world is a, a brand called Vinyl Me Please. When, only because they have please in their company name, why they're super polite. But they're actually a really great brand and have some great people behind it. But they launched before Vinyl had made its big comeback as, as much as it has today. Interestingly enough, vinyl sales have surpassed CD sales now in a funny, weird world we live in. But what they do, which is really cool, is they've got a great subscription membership program that gets you a, a new vinyl record every single month, but then also has exclusive access to drops that are happening, exclusive vinyl prints. You get those. And then in addition to that, you also get discounts on vinyl records in their store. So you're layering in a bunch of different aspects of what's happening there within their subscription and membership program, getting the discovery and delight, getting the exclusive access, and then also the discounts. So people are looking for all those perks. Uh, another example, I love what Delta Airlines is doing right now. They've really expanded their membership program. We think of like, oh, you're just accumulating miles, you're just sky miles. They've really expanded and doubled down on their membership program. You're getting free Wi-Fi as part of it. You're getting Starbucks rewards or their connecting programs. And we're seeing more and more of that where Starbucks you know, they're layering in these connections into these other services that you use in your life. So it makes it even more sticky than ever before. And it's amazing to me, my 12-year-olds, preteens here that got their first cell phone, They one of their first apps they wanted was the Starbucks app. And they obsess over accumulating stars and points, you know, so that way they can go and get free drinks later. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is getting them at an early age, but it's brilliant because they gamified the experience a little bit there and there's no cost to it. I don't mind. You know, I do mind giving them you know, too much caffeine in their lives and different things like that or building those habits. But for the most part, it's it's a fun experience. Yeah, I think that idea of stickiness is definitely a good one. And again, it, it may show up for brands or that that idea of stickiness could have a different definition depending on the brand and what their goals are and what their customer needs are. But obviously, stickiness is very different from, like you mentioned earlier, creating a locked-in type experience that ultimately feels frustrating and, and cumbersome for consumers, which I guess ties to my next question around red flags or things to avoid. I'm sure we've all had our fair share of frustrating experiences with the subscription programs, membership programs, but are there any key things not to do that you think you could probably take away from your own experiences? Yeah, I'm going to come back to the first couple of things, some of the things we mentioned earlier. One, locking people into a long, long-term contract. As much as we love that world from a brand standpoint of, okay, yeah, we've got people, they're not going to leave for 12 months. It's guaranteed revenue. It really isn't the right way to do things. I was talking with a major fitness brand a year or two ago and how they were forced in some of the regulated states like California and New York to allow people to cancel their gym memberships. 
And lo and behold, what they found is if they reduced that friction and allowed people to cancel at any time, they were more likely to come back versus making them commit to their 12-month membership. And after that 12 months, they were never, they were far less likely to come back. So reducing that friction. And the other part is the cancellation. I mean, look, I'll admit to you at one point when we were running our business, we used to, our subscription box, we used to force people to call to cancel. And I don't know why we ever did it. It was just something we wanted to experiment with for a while. But it was the most yucky, disgusting feeling in the world to have people do that. And our theory behind it was like, well, we could win them back. Call to cancel, we'll explain the benefits. Maybe we'll stick around. All we were ever doing was frustrating people. And we didn't do it for very long because we realized it was uh, just not the right way to do it. And that's what we're really trying to preach to brands today is like, don't lock people in and make it easy for them to ebb and flow with different things in there. So those are the red flags you really have to really have to do the best interest in the consumer in mind. Awesome. Super helpful. Well, we've had a very, I think, pretty robust conversation, I think, for 30 minutes together. And I'm sure a lot of it has come from your research, your conversations with practitioners, of, of course, a lot of your work with Subda and, and SubSummit. And I know SubSummit is coming up soon. So for the folks that may be interested, why don't you share a little bit about what they can expect, who's speaking, and maybe if there are any key themes from the content or the agenda that you think are worth noting. Yeah, so we've got a lot of great details on our website, subsummit.com. But we're super excited for our speaker lineup this year, our agenda. And our theme this year coming to the event is Engage Enrich. And the reason we started walking down that path with the theme over a year ago was we saw what's, what's kind of ahead in the market in terms of a little bit of a recession or a recessionary type feel to it. And consumers were going to maybe take a step back from some of the things in their lives that they subscribe to. And we said... The brands that will come on top, come out on top, are those that engage their audience, engage their customers, and enrich the experience. Find different ways to enrich that experience to keep them on for that long-term value. And also continue to provide that long-term value so that it's that quote-unquote no-brainer for them to never leave. And so we lean into that a lot with our topics and our content at the event. That's the overall theme of the direction. We've got Jessica Cervellan from Feastables is going to be speaking there. I mentioned Basima from Skin Tea. Ankur Goyal from Coterie, John Keel from Honest Company, Robbie Kelman-Baxter. She's a brilliant mind in the space. She's going to be speaking. Nick Sharma, who helped build Hintwater. He originally launched Pitbull's uh, social media back in the day. He's going to be there leading some discussion. Jesse Pucci, a great mind in growth hacks, has helped scale Dollar Shave Club, among many others. He's going to be there speaking. So it's, it's so fun. You know, everybody from Peacock to the NBA to the New York Times to Patreon will all be in the same room and you can all learn so many different things from each other. Amazing. Super exciting. And I know our e-commerce editor, Nicole Silverstein, will, will be there as well. So we can't wait to hear what takeaways she gets and see her coverage from the show. And, and of course, for folks interested in attending, we'll include some details in the show notes for you. But for now, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me. I always love to hear what's happening in this space. And of course, some of the lessons and trends that you're gleaning from your research. So thank you again so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions for Paul or, again, want to learn more about SubSummit and the work that they're doing at Subta, check out the show notes for all of those details. And, of course, drop us a line on, on social media. We'd love to hear from you and, of course, connect you to Paul and, and his team. You can find us on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints, on Twitter at R Touchpoints. And of course, if you have any feedback for us on this episode or a topic you'd like to learn more about, 
leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. Again, we'd love to hear from you and find ways to improve and expand all of the great topics that we cover on this show. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe. (laughs) No pun intended. Uh, We have new episodes coming every week with experts in the space like Paul, and uh, we want to make sure you get them. All right. But for now, that is it from us. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you next week, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.